0: You change situations, you change our life, you change events, O Master, and you will glorified, a Lord. Father, I pray that even as we stand on the brink of a great new year, O Master, and we have entered into this year, but I pray that greater things will be there for us this year, O Master. Greater things like we've never seen before. Master, and you you your me will be glorified in every one of our lives, O Lord. Because it's going to happen through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I was looking back at some of our moves last year, and God God really spoke to this life team powerfully during this last one year. And I could see that. I've uh, been having sessions for so many years, but I could see last year was God was dropping meat after meat every session, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it was incredible. Uh, the revelation that God was just pouring out to our life to announce, like God, thank you, Jesus, you know? You've been so good. You've been so good. And we uh, and yeah, actually started recording some of the messages last year onwards, so if anybody wants, you, can, you know, ask for the CDs. You know, it, it has some discernment in the background of kids crying, but you can never get that out. <laughs> I tried removing the kids crying, and then everything goes. <laughs> you know, but... Hopefully technology will come around and we can get our kids out. <laughs> <laughs> you, can you hear? Okay. A, yeah, I need to increase our okay. So, So we started doing that last year, but I'm sure God is going to honor us and bless our presence of our gathering together in faith and speak to us this year. And let's have great expectations. God is going to do incredible things this year. I just get a sense in the Spirit. And I'm sure a lot of you all who have been trained before the year, you'll have a sense that God is doing great things, mm-hmm. great things in 2011. Okay. Uh, just want to briefly summarize what we studied last time. Just a brief summary. I know we might talk to, too much time, like just five minutes, just for somebody, for, for folks who have not been here last time. Last time we studied that you have to move from glory to revelation to obedience. How many of you were there that message last time? From glory to revelation. Glory is overstated so much. As uh, charismatic Christians, full gospel Christians, we are always seeking after glory. The problem with glory is, glory can astound, but revelation can transform. Remember that. So that's why we go from service after service, from church service to church service, from speaker after speaker, We are astounded by glory, and we get captivated by glory, but then we have no memory of glory, right? You walk out from the presence, and 24 hours later, it's hard to put a finger on what was it that moved me. But if you can move from glory to revelation, revelation can transform you. And that's what you need to always be looking at. And after that message, God has been speaking, God has been telling you every time you get into a church service, at the end of the service, you should quickly, quickly, before the church service ends, you should say, so what revelation did I understand today of God that I never had before? Then you then you really precipitate the revelation to something that you can then act on and you can live by. Otherwise, you're going to lose it because the enemy is very sharp. The Bible says, he comes immediately to steal. You remember the parable of the sword? so is the word? The word is, the operative word is immediately, the Satan understands the power of revelation of the word of God so much, he's not afraid of glory, he's not afraid of glory, now this might sound blasphemous, but he's really not afraid of glory, but he's afraid of revelation, because revelation, you can live by and destroy him, I'm telling you, you have to start looking at, so what is the revelation out of this, what is the revelation out of this, and I'll quickly rush through because we don't have time to revisit that last message. So somebody who wants, he can always give you that seed and you can watch, hear it. But just to quickly go. Why is glory not enough? It is. It did not keep the first man from sinning, nor can you. The first man Adam walked in glory with God. It didn't keep him from sinning, nor will it keep you. God's desire with, for you To walk with a sinful man is not in response to fear, but in response to walk in love. Glory to a sinful man always produces fear. Right through the word of God. Look at it. Everywhere There was great glory, the response of a sinful man was what? Bread. He would fall on his face. He's afraid. He falls down. Moses, Paul, Daniel, everyone. To a fallen man, great glory will always produce great fear. And God doesn't want to beat you into a relationship and walking with fear. He doesn't want. He wants a relationship that is built on love. The only way he can do that is by not showing up in his glory. And we studied that. Again, this is challenging for you to understand. Look at it in a different way. Moses, when he saw God's glory, his, his statement to God was, and it's very simple, it says, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before nor since, I'll let you. (laughs) So for Moses, his stammering lips did not change before nor since. I thought God's glory in all his power should change a stammering man, right? But it didn't. In fact, Moses on confession before God was, I have not been eloquent before nor since. So what was the problem? The problem was not with the glory. The problem was with the revelation. Because then God went on to say, do you think, did I not create the mouth that you speak with? See, now that is revelation, right? Now he's getting into revelation. He says, do you think I cannot heal your mouth? But Moses keeps on getting adamant. He says, no, 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 Lord. I want you to send Aaron the Bible responds and the Bible says about God in a very powerful way. It says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why? His glory did not transform him. Because he didn't have a revelation of who this God is. So that glory was useless. You see? So the problem with your healing, your prosperity, your victory is not ever God. 2010 should I let you understand that. God is not the problem. How how I many can realize that last year? God is not the problem. God is the solution. We are the problem. The problem is not there. He has rested from all his works. There is no new additional work that he has to do for you, for you to walk in victory. He's rested. He is sitting down, the Bible says in Hebrew. You know, he's not standing up. Work is done. There was a time when he was standing up, when Jesus said, behold, my father and I work until this time. Well, Till the day that he rose again. After that, he sits down. Now, if he's sitting down, what are you standing up for? <laughs> it's like, we are all, it, we talked about it last like, We are like people who want to play in an empty stadium after the score is done. You know? God is saying, man, the game is over. You have won. What are you doing in the stadium? you're like, no, Lord, I need to, I need to get one more goal. <laughs> like Brother, it's done, you're won. go home and the enemy will always get you back in an empty stadium because he thinks the game is in overtime. the game is not overtime, it's a wash. it's a wash. He's defeated big time right? So glory glory is no substitute for revolution. Other examples Aaron and the 70 elders saw God face to face and yet they built the golden cup. They saw God face to face and yet built the golden calf. Glory is no substitute for revelation. Abraham saw the Godhead in covenant and yet believed his wife Sarah for Ishmael. Glory is no substitute for revelation. Solomon saw God two times and yet made palaces and made temples for, for, for uh, false gods. Glory is no re- substitute for revelation. John the Baptist saw the re- glory of God coming down on uh, uh, Jesus, and yet he uh, sent disciples to Jesus and said, are you the coming one? Glory is no re- substitute for revelation. The disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration saw God in all- Jesus in all his glory, and yet the same Peter turned back and denied him, and said, I do not know him. Because glory is no substitute for revelation. But Nathaniel, we studied that. Nathaniel had no glory experience. Yet, when Jesus said, I saw you under the tree, he said, You are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. He had no glory. But we also studied great examples of people who pushed past glory into revelation. Jacob, he was not impressed by God's glory when the angel fought with him. He said, I don't care about your glory, I'm gonna fight you till morning, until you bless me. That's it. That's what you need. We are like, oh, at least I got an angel in my room. <laughs> we, are so, we are so impressed with an angel, right? We just, oh Lord, I need to testify about it for next 20 years. God, we, God had sent an angel into my room. We are, we are amazed by glory. But Jacob was, I don't care. It's an angel. I'm going to fight him till he blesses me. I want revelation. I can live with that. Because my name is gonna change, right? You look for revelation, you look for revelation. The Samaritan woman, she was not impressed by Jesus. She was she was impressed, but she's like not, oh, you're the son of God, okay, great, no, but she said, get me water, I need water, that I can live by, and I'm going to go and get it. So she pushed back, she pushed through, just not impressed, she went past and got what Jesus, otherwise she could have just been happy with just, just an and he went but she pressed through the, the thief on the cross not impressed no glory to impress Jesus glory Jesus in, in, on the cross was devoid of all glory but yet this thief said remember me in paradise remember me in your kingdom he said I don't see glory I don't need glory but I know you are God you see all of us need glory but he didn't. He needed, he saw revelation. He knew Jesus was the Son of God. Paul. Paul had more revelation in the Word of God. Unlike any of the apostles who actually walked with Jesus. That again proves the point. When you walk in revelation, God speaks to you great things. Are you ready for great things that God can reveal to you? Yes. Then don't seek after just glory. Seek after revelation. So Paul wrote so much more epistles. How many books has Paul written in the New Testament? compared to the apostles, And the depth of God, Paul's writing, in fact, in First uh, Peter said, talks in the last, second chapter. He says, the words of Paul are so many and hard to understand because God has blessed him so much. And crooked people twist it. <laughs> I mean, this is Peter saying, Peter's like, I'm not offended because he's got more revelation. He has. None of the others had that kind of revelation. But because he did not live by flesh, he was not just moved by, he just didn't have a remembrance of how Jesus was. He had a revelation from, from God. Revelation can live, and you can live by it. And we studied a lot of other things, and we studied about... we we we'll, we'll, we'll skip over a lot of the things, but some of the high points were... Uh, just at one point, again, look at this. How God looks at glory. Two examples. Uh, quickly close with that Moses on the mountain uh, talked to uh, God and said God show me your glory even he desired for God's glory and God shows up shows his hinder parts and declares his name so every time a request is made for great glory God declares his word because he values his word about glory because he knows that that word you can live by what are you going to do with glory I'm going, to, I'm going to give you my word, and you can live by that. And he declared his name. And he said, I'm a long suffering, I'm a loving kindness, he's my mercy and is forever. See, I can live with that. I can live with that. Another example on the Mount, the same Mount of Transfiguration, this huge thunder, this boom, that is, Jesus gets transfigured, everything passes. Now they are so impressed, they want to create a tabernacle for him, right? And Jesus totally ignores their request. But at the end of it, what happened? A sound came from heaven. Saying them what? This is my son. Listen to me. Even, even after great glory, the response of God the Father is, listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. That's what I'm saying is, do not underestimate the power of God's word in your life. I'm telling you. Don't just to seek after glory. You cannot live by glory. But you can live by this word of God. It will transform stuff. It the word is not glamorous. Let me tell you. The word is not glamorous, but you can stand on it, and because it's not glamorous, you tend to underestimate it. Uh, another example. I know this is so powerful why I don't want to skip on it. Jesus says, "Use your faith like a servant, like you would use a servant. Like you tell a servant, "Go, go, come, go, go, get what you want and come back." And the servant would do, and then the Bible says, Jesus says, the servant comes back after he does what he does. Do you sit down and serve him? No. You tell him, okay, now that you have done this, come and do this. Jesus says, use your faith like that. We talk about it. Do not have faith in drama. Seriously. Our faith is what a lot of drama associated with it. God expects you to have faith, which doesn't have drama. Seriously, He said, "Expect faith to work." Man, we can give an example. We gave a parable last week. He said, "If you have a currency note, you walk into Walmart and you go ahead and do a transaction and you ask for something, do you come back to the life team and testify saying this? You know, one thing. The other day, I went to Walmart and I had this piece of paper on it, and I gave this paper, and you know, lo and behold, this guy gave this whole goods to me." Praise God, what a miracle. <laughs> he never ever testified about a transaction like that. And God says, why? Marvel about the way your faith works. You, that's, that's why when when when, uh, the, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he said, You don't bear fruit anymore, the fig tree was withered and the disciples were amazed. And Jesus said, What's the big deal? If you have faith, if you believe what you say, you can do this and you can do mountains. Every time the Bible says the the disciples were astonished, marvelous, it doesn't say as a compliment to them. You go and check. That's a homework. (laughs) It is we who have kind of brought it down to that level. Every time the Bible talks about the disciples being astounded, it is always in reference to their unbelief. God expects you to use your faith as a currency note, as a servant. Don't, don't just, do just do the all oh, great thing. No, that's why many times our prayer requests don't get. Oh, you know what? I'm not prayer request like this. If, if and this is not. If this is a small group. We can be transparent, correct? Okay. So we are not. I'm not pulling out people just to make fun of them. But it's the way I am asking. You know? And if you can stand with me and you believe with me, you know what? It will be a great miracle and I will testify. You see, everything looks very perfect. But can you see the unbelief in this? Can you see the unbelief in this? The unbelief is, I cannot testify right now. Because I have to see it happen. And only if I see it happen and then it happens, then I can testify. God says, you start with unbelief. The Bible says, if you ask and you do not doubt, you shall have what you ask. So you already started with unbelief. Now you are getting a partner in unbelief. Can you also have unbelief with me? <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible says, if two or two are agreeable on earth concerning anything, <laughs> <laughs> concerning any matter of unbelief, it will be done for them. So now you, now you, are, now you confirm the unbelief. So it will definitely not happen. Now, that's why I'm really very, very afraid of, very afraid, I'm not afraid, very, I'm always in a little jittery what? when people say, let the whole church now pray for this brother who is sick. Why? Because now you want all the unbelief of all the church to believe. <laughs> hey, I just want two people who can believe, right? Just give me two people who can believe, who can just believe the word of God. Now, and many times those prayer start like, you know, nothing happens. And then we never hear a whimper about it. Because why do not want to bring more unbelief? You know what church, we prayed about this whole thing and nothing happened. <laughs> If you're asking for prayer, ask with faith, right? Stand in agreement with somebody in faith. Uh, believe the scripture. Just because you have intense agony doesn't change situations. You have to need a revelation. Do you believe that God can you? Yes. Do you find a person who can believe that? Yes. Then don't go to the guy who says, it is God's will you may be healed. Don't, you've already started there. You're not going to get it. The, the point is faith without drama. And, and there was an example at we studying. We don't have time today to go through it. John chapter 4 verses 6, uh, 46 to 50. He talks about a noble man who had a, a son who had a daughter who was sick and, and he was desperate for Jesus to get to Cana, uh, Cana for him to uh, heal and Jesus blasted him. He said, unless you guys see signs you'll not believe. And you never and you never think of it that way. But Jesus said that guy had a lot of faith, you no know, faith in drama. He doesn't want to just believe me that I can heal him. He is, he's impatient, he doesn't believe. You know, a lot of things with our therapists, our faith is about do I really believe? Do I really believe? So then, it's not negative. If you, don't, if you can't believe, then the, if you can't believe on a certain thing, what is the solution? Go back to the word, build your faith, till it, you can come to a point where you say, it's done, I don't care. I like what Robin said today, you know. Struggling with believing for God to get up to it. till the point you say, Lord, I don't care, I just believe and I give you glory, right? And then it happens, right? Now. Nothing has changed. God has not changed, it's just a revelation to receive. Because God is always true. Praise God. So are we ready for today? <laughs> so that was the message. And I, and I know that because not many of you will really bother to come and ask for the message. Because <laughs> we know our men Because <laughs> we, we tend to. We tend to forget. But good. But God has a great word for us today. And uh, we'll quickly get into it. And I was asking God, what is your word to the life team for this coming this coming year, 2011? And God said to him, powerful. I want you to look at it. And this is specific to our life team, you know? Uh, specific to our life. And he said there are two, you know, two words that he's strong for us. And he said, this will be your year. For greater works. I want you to repeat after me. The year for greater works. Greater works. Greater, greater works. works. Greater works. Greater works. Okay, now, you all guys need to get that in your spirit. Greater works. This 2011 will be the year for greater works. Greater works. Greater works. The second thing said was for a lot of people, the word is with God as your source. Your harvest is close. With God as your source, your harvest is close. I know that it rhymes, but It was not intended to drive It just came that way. <laughs> no, it was not created to drive It just came that way. With God as your source, your harvest is close. If you have like been disappointed with God last year, and you didn't, you didn't feel that like your harvest has come. The God is reminding us: make. Jesus, your source, your harvest is closed. It will happen. It will happen. Do not change your confession just because you have been standing on something. As we discussed, artificial points of time are created by men. Allow God to do His work. Right? With faith, have great patience, the Bible says. Faith with patience. Patience. Do not change your confession right now. Do not change your confession right now. Do not change your confession. But I the things have not been what I expected. No! But don't change your confession right now. Don't change it. Don't change it. Don't change it. I'm telling you, I mean, I don't know for whom that word is. Do not change your confession. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, and when it happens, you will, want, you, will, you will reflect the days that you spend in doubt and unbelief. I'm telling you, I can just sense that longing. It's not happened, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Don't change your confession. With God as your source, you can never go wrong. You can never go wrong with God as your source. Make God your source. Okay, in your workplace, you're not getting the recognition that you want to. Don't worry. Just keep Jesus as your source. Don't try be tempted for politics. Don't go there. Don't go to. <laughs> we have a term in India called butter polish. <laughs> you know. Uh, to cream your boss, you know. Don't 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 kinda don't kind do not kind of you don't have to do anything. Just stay focused on God as your source. Stay focused on God as your source. He will change circumstances. Your promotion will come. Your increase will come. God is your source. That, is, that was two words. So, but primarily the word is, this is your year for greater works. How many of believe that? Your year for greater works, greater works, greater works. And where do we get that? I want you to go to John chapter 14, Chapter 14. 14 verses 7 to 11. Okay, this is an interesting transition because it transitions from the same problem of the glory problem that we studied last time. And let me, let me read that here. John chapter 14 verses 7 to 14. Now if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. For Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me and I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my... My father. Greater works. Say greater works. Greater works. Jesus. Now this is Jesus. Red letter works. He says. Greater works than these. He will do. Because I go to my father. And Here is a a very classic case of of Philip living with Jesus all his life. Right? Uh, Three years of ministry. Jesus has become very familiar. This is God. That he is familiar with. But he has become familiar. Same problem that we as believers go through, right? And towards the end, Philip has the secret heart desire that he always had. And he says, Jesus, show us the Father. Now Jesus is kind of, wow, wow. Now let, let me let me retract. Are you trying to tell me that I am not God? I'm not Father? He says, He who has seen me has seen the Father you see the, the need for glory out here? He had the words. But he was looking for? He was looking for glory. And Jesus says, I am. He was seen me has seen the Father. See, so if you have seen Jesus, you're seeing the Father. How would God the Father operate in this world? Look at Jesus. In fact, Jesus goes on to make some astounding statements. And think about it. He says, every word that I speak on earth. I, it is not what I speak it's my father speaking have you thought about it? every word that Jesus spoke on the earth was his father speaking in fact he goes on to make another statement. he says the works that I do it is my father doing in fact in another place he says I only do the works that I see my father do so how was Jesus operating? Jesus was seen in the spirit something that the father does immediately he gets and does the same thing easy for him you know that's a secret. How you can walk in greater works. If you can start seeing and responding to the Holy Spirit. Just watch him do it. See your spirit that he wants you to do something, just go ahead and do it. Copy it. So you don't have, you're not into this great sense of, you know, what is the God's will of me. No, no. Just be open. When you start doing one small thing at a time, it becomes easier. It becomes easier. Because then you will sense I like once I was talking to and Bijva was telling me. He said, I only do what the Holy Spirit now tells me to do. I like that. That is maturity. I like what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'll only do what he says. Small things. Small things. Uh, uh, there was this preacher, oh who I shared it with you last week and he said uh, Winston. You know you have here? Winston? Bill Winston. Bill Winston. He was talking about a testing and this is powerful. He said one of his days he was uh, he was flying, out, he was going into a jet, uh, he was going he was, he was about to leave for a trip is oh this cant cover okay this is this is an interesting example which carried Copeland talked about it. he said he once he had he had to he, he had a he had a situation where he had to uh, go, fly out to a place and his pilot calls him and tells him that the door is not opening up these are mechanized doors and he said the door is not opening up and uh, so his immediate reaction was he he's started talking to God and this was his talk and he was this sharing was one of his interviews with Bill Winston and this is amazing this shows how we need to respond many times <coughs> and he was asking God God what should I talk to the door when I get to it tell me what do I tell the door you see that tell me what do I tell the door you see the response our response to things because Jesus said speak to the mountain you would come to God and tell me, remove the mountain. So now your question to God is, God, what do you want me to speak to this mountain? Because what do you say I will speak? And in fact, he said, he had got told him speak this to the door. And before he reached the plane, the pilot calls back and says, you know what, the door just opened. Do you speak to trees? 2011, the time to speak to trees. Do you speak to cars? 2011, time to speak to cars. Do you speak to your job? 2011, the time to speak to your jobs. Do you speak to your relationships? 2011, the time to speak to relationships. Why? Because we have Jesus as a pattern. Because Jesus, God told him to speak, he would speak. He would do exactly what his father did. And you have to do that. Everything doesn't need to be praised for, doesn't it? Many things need to be spoken. Many things need to be spoken so you can, you can save time. Save time. Time is important, right? Time is important. You can save a lot of wandering. Forty years is a long time. <laughs> so if, you, if you can just, if you can just listen and walk, listen and walk. Seven day journey, right? Seven days, right? We get forty years because we want to not listen and listen. We always thinking that God's ways are the laborers. God's ways are tougher. God's ways are not tougher. God's ways are clearer. And parts are straighter. The Bible says He will make your parts straight. That's His word. His parts are straighter. It's our mentality that God's ways are tough. Because we don't know the word. We meditate on the word till it becomes a reality. His ways are easier. Because Jesus said, My, my yoke is easy and my labor is light. light. That's not a mark. our idea, it's God, Jesus' idea. Okay. We're coming to the point. And verse 12. Most I say to you, he believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, we have been living so many years just trying to do the works of God for get greater, right? My Father just allow me to just do your works. I mean, let's talk about 20% God. Just let me do 20% of your works. For right? here Jesus is making it demand. He says, you can do greater works than this and in fact, he says, because I go to my father, What's changed? What's changed? I would have Jesus in my 491 dynamical drive anytime. But Jesus says, No. It is better for me that I am here and you are there. Now, if Jesus says so, it is true, correct? Whether I like it or not. It is good for Jesus who is right now in heaven with the Father for you. It is good for me. I don't understand it, but Jesus says it is good for me. Now let's let's break down and understand why is it good for Jesus to be there. Anybody? Two reasons that come to mind. Number one, he's making intercession for us. Okay. Okay. the second reason is because of the Holy Spirit. He said the Spirit is coming. Yes! Yes! Talk about a force multiplier. The Holy Spirit is a force multiplier. Jesus could only do what he could do in a geographic proximity to his humanity. How many of you don't realize that? Have you studied the Scripture? Nothing happened away. It always had to happen in proximity to him. And this is so interesting. And you have never seen this. I, I, I don't see. You have not seen it, but I have never seen it. Let me give you an example. See the power of the we don't realize the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have underestimated the office of the Holy Spirit like nothing. Of all the Godheads, the Holy Spirit is the most underestimated and the most trampled up and the most you know, not valued. And it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing for us because it is to your end that I am going to run so we are obviously there is some disadvantages to not value the office of the Holy Spirit, correct? Okay, let me give you an example. How many of you know that Jesus walking on the water? Is you that know Jesus walking on the water? I've never seen this before. And this time I was prepared uh, this week, Mark chapter six, verses forty-five to fifty-two, and that that version of the. Uh, message the passage of the incident is very accurate. It's, let's go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Verses 45 to 52. Okay now this is after Jesus feeds the 5000 and it, it's about to get evening. It's like late afternoon session and Jesus does the following thing. Verse 44. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. And his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. And when he had sent the multitude away, he sent them away. He departed to the mountain to pray. This is late afternoon. Verse 47. Now when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. So where was Jesus? On the land. On the land where? On a mountain. We know that from the on the verse before. He departed to a mountain to pray. So he was on a mountain. So where were the disciples? In the boat. In the, in the middle of the sea. The Sea of Galilee. It was in the middle of the sea and Jesus was on the mountain. When evening came, the boat was already in the middle. So when did they start? They must have started late afternoon. Just as... Uh, Jesus was letting the crowds go. When evening came the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Verse 48 watch this. He saw them straining at rowing. What time? When did you watch them straining? It's evening. Evening. As evening. evening came they are in the middle and Jesus saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the four Watch of the night, he came to them. So Jesus sees them straining in the middle of the lake. What time? Evening. That's when he's there in the middle of the lake. They're straining. Jesus saw them. What did Jesus time to the fourth watch to get to them? You know what the <coughs> fourth watch? Biblical scholars, fourth watch. Three o'clock. Correct. Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Three o'clock. 3 to 6 a.m. is the fourth watch. So, it is the fourth watch when Jesus is walking to them. Question Why wait when your disciples are straining in the evening? Why, why why, the time difference from evening to three o'clock, right? I mean, that's a lot of rowing and straining. Right. Jesus, you better hurry. <laughs> what, what is Jesus waiting for? Or is he waiting? For them to speak to the waters. What is that? He's waiting for them to speak to the waters. That is all of the question. <laughs> That level of faith is not even close. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll instantly read that. That level of faith is not even close. When he shows up, they want you to be delivered from him. <laughs> we we'll talk about faith. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're a ghost. You the problem is not the seed. Jesus is the problem, right? We're talking about faith. We're talking about anti-faith. <laughs> okay, but why, why the delay? You're setting up for glory. That's how traditional Christianity No You know what? God will get great glory. If they can be just more tired more, beaten down more, more poor, more depressed, God will get great glory. That is Christianity as we over. That's not the Bible Christianity that we know it. For T.O.s is a good time to tease those kids something. No, no, That is not God's way. That is was never God's way. You'll get you of mindset get rid of a You know why he took so much time? Somebody said that. He was walking from the top of the mountain to the seashore to the middle of the seas a long time. A miracle they were close they were in close proximity but they did not have faith so Jesus is more respectful of persons he will walk past you if you don't seek him and he said 2010 January he said contend for God he said be a contender God is a God who will walk by past you because He wants you to give you an opportunity but He will never force His healing, His prosperity, His victory, His anointing on you. You have to choose by your will to ask and receive just because He is in cross proximity. As people always say, being in a church doesn't make you a Christian as being in a garage makes you a car. That's right. You have to work. You act in faith. You have to believe. You have to believe, right? You have to believe. So Jesus walked past, was about to pass. What happened? And they all saw him and they were troubled. And immediately he talked to them and said, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. What was their response to that? They believed. Correct? Right? Suppose they, they had still been afraid and rode past him thinking that he's a ghost. <coughs> they would have been dead. Jesus would have to start with a fresh batch of twelve. <laughs> and a memorial on the Sea of Galilee to the, to the twelve that I had. <laughs> Who thought that I am a ghost. Yeah. But they exercised faith and they said, no, this is Jesus. And they were saved. Same thing, same thing as you do. In your life, you have to operate in faith. You have to receive from Him. Jesus will give you an opportunity to walk past. Now, point being, now, Jesus went back to the whole point. He said, To your advantage that I am going away? Now, why is it an advantage that Jesus is now gone? Now, that's an easy question. Why is it an advantage that Jesus is now gone away? now what, Now let's take a situation today you are in the middle of Galilee you are straining against the waves and the waves have come what happens now what happens now you call upon the Lord right away, why? the Holy Spirit is out there right now enforcing the victory and you say, no it has to stop, immediately the Holy Spirit acts on your behalf you don't have to waste time Jesus is struggling. Jesus says it is to your advantage I'm going away because I can send the Holy Spirit out to you. You can receive in your time of need when you have need. Amen? Amen? Anytime. Anytime. You don't need my physical proximity. It's far better than I'm gone because the Holy Spirit will enforce it. Let's let's quickly go back. John chapter 16 verse 7. John chapter 16 verse 7. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart with him, I will send him to you. Now verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the word of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. How many of you have never heard that verse before? Convict the word of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I've never understood it. I'm like, Jesus, how are you convicting me of sin? Of righteousness and of judgment and then you look back and break it down look at it the word convict is the same word word in uh, Greek called L and go L and means convict convince or confirm Okay, I wanted to repeat that because I, I told you though, the office of the Holy Spirit is now going to become very clear quickly to you. Say, convince, yes. convict, yes. and confirm. Yes. Okay, let's go back and break it out. He will convict whom of sin, not the believers, the, the the world of sin, because they do not believe in me. That look at the word they. How many should see the word they? verse 9 because of sin because they not you because they do not believe in me verse 10 of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more again coming back to the point he says it is good for me to go to my father because the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will what can so what will be the word there? What will he do to believers? Convict of righteousness? That doesn't make sense. Confirm righteousness? Convince righteousness. i tell you why that office is so powerful for believers. The only, the main problem with, as a believer, in receiving the greater power to do greater works is this. You are constantly thinking that you are not righteous. You are constantly thinking that you are not worthy. You are constantly thinking that you are not up to the mark with God. And because the Holy Spirit comes to you, He will say, No, you are righteous. You are holy. But tell me, let me tell you this. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to tell you that you are righteous. Why is it important? Because without... Knowing that you are righteous, you can never receive anything from God. Every time you sin, you can fall under uh, guilt, and you will never walk up to do the works of God. And the Holy Spirit has been sent specifically to convict your righteousness, of convict your righteousness. The third one of judgment, of confirming judgment on the enemy. Every time you pray, every time you seek healing, every time you cast out demons. Guess what? Who is doing the healing? Who is doing the casting? The Holy Spirit is confirming judgment. So, I want you to remember this. Convince the world of sin. Convince the believer of righteousness. And confirming judgment on the enemy. That is the office. Can you imagine it? That office is not available. How can you live as a victorious Christian life? How can you live as a righteous life? How can you, how can you live as... As the child of God who can do the greater works. Uh, if you can go to Romans chapter 8 verses 14 to 16. The Bible says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And the children, heirs of God, and not and heirs along with Christ. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. So there are two spirits there that works. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 to 16. So what are the two spirits? The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. spirit. Now say the Holy Spirit Spirit bears witness with my spirit. spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit need to bear witness with your spirit? That you are the child of God. Why? 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 Because why we are more in agreement? Why? Because God is in the midst? Uh, so the point is, why does he have to bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? Because your spirit will <coughs> constantly tell you that you are not a child of God. You know the biggest problem as believers in walking in the power and greater works? The biggest problem the biggest problem, this is this is God challenge, I'm telling you. He's telling the biggest problem in believers not walking in victories because they feel that they are not righteous. Tell you The major problem as believers is I am not worthy. I am not righteous enough. I am not worthy enough. I am not righteous enough. So what happens? The enemy robs you of a lifetime of greater works. Let me repeat to you. Your righteousness has nothing to do with the righteousness that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness of. What righteousness is He bearing witness of? That I'm, in right standing. What's that? that
1: I'm right standing with God. Correct.
0: What righteousness is He bearing witness of? If you are a sinner, how can you bear witness with your spirit that you are righteous? He's saying, I don't care about your, your deeds. I want to first declare that you are just. And from that will flow your acts. I know this is powerful. And this is the whole point of the message today. The message is God wants you to get out of works into grace.
1: I just interject something right there. What you're saying, a good example that I would interject right there is with Peter. When Jesus spoke with Peter he went back to him because Peter thought hey I messed up I I denied him how could I be worthy so the Lord went back purposely with him to bear witness that I called you and so that is a good example because that is true that yep. we are all always evaluating our sin and think that we could not be used because of that
0: Amen Amen. I, I'm, I'm coming in. You know how tough it is to be righteous? No, guys. <laughs> me, guys. Me, guys. We don't know how tough it is to be righteous. Because this word is so loosely used. We don't realize how tough it is to be righteous. Let me give you an example of how tough it is to be righteous. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Somebody read love. Verses 17 to 20. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 30. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one little will by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these men
1: and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness and cease, the righteousness of prescribed and parish, you will by no means enter the
0: kingdom of heaven. Okay. Do you get that? Now this is righteousness by God's standards. He says, you break one small law, you blow it. You blow it. You just don't get in. You just cannot get in. You have, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes, you cannot even enter the kingdom of God. He's talking about righteousness that can get you into the kingdom of God. He says, you you just can't make it. You can't make it. Now let me give you an example. John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 11, verses 11, and I'll go quick because we don't have time. We'll go quick, so you take the notes down. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, and he's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest prophet of all time. How many of you all know that? He said, the greatest righteous man that has ever lived. And yet Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, he says, assuredly I say to you, among born of women, there is no one that is greater than John the Baptist. Born of women, that pretty much covers it, right? As <laughs> if you're born of Star Trek or some Canadian species, a so born of women covers it, right? Covers it. Among born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Now, who says it? Jesus. Jesus. God says it. A born of women, there is no one who is greater than John the Baptist. So, if your if righteousness... And then he makes a statement. And then he says, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Oh, now tell me this. Now explain that to me. You said among born of women there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Now how do you explain that? He says, the righteousness that comes upon you by virtue of you being in the kingdom of God, is greater than the best things that John the Baptist ever did. I mean, are you glad for that righteousness? I am glad. Can you imagine somebody says, man, all that John the Baptist did, that poor guy suffered, right? He suffered for God. He was out in the wilderness, eating locusts and fasting, and doing the will of God. And Jesus says, I'm going to give it to you. But not only you, I'll give you so much more because he says the least in the kingdom of God. That means the guy who just made it, just made it into the kingdom of God is greater in his righteousness than John the Are you glad for that righteousness? Can you use that righteousness? How can you use that righteousness? Man, when you get on your cross at time, today evening or tomorrow morning, you can say, Lord, Lord, you know what? I am better than John. <laughs> I am better than John. You better answer my request because I'm better than John. I'm better than John. Who is telling? The Holy Spirit. He, and the Holy Spirit comes and tells you, spirit, you know what? Honor, call him daddy. Call him daddy. And you are not lying. You are not lying. Because he says he abundantly pardons and he totally forgets. Wow. God totally forgets. When you come to his presence and he says in Jesus, God says, wow, that's my son. He is perfect, man. He is good. I was going to ask this question before I started the session and it says, How many of you all are perfect? <laughs> How many of you all are perfect? You know what? I need to change that. You need to change that. I want you to all lift your hands and say, I'm perfect. perfect! I'm holy! Yes. I'm complete! Why? Because the Holy Spirit is telling us, saying that you are the Son of God. And if He says you are holy, that's why the garments that come in heaven are not your own, it's always given, let me repeat, the garments that are given in heaven are not your own, you don't go with a stitching needle and a cloth when you get to heaven, making your own garments, the garments are always given, why? The garments are clean and spotless for they are the righteousness of the saints, the righteousness of Christ Jesus, so are you perfect? Yes. yes your shield. See? You see the problem? Yeah. That is why you can't do greater works. <laughs> because the enemy will talk, oh, whatever you can lay your hands and raise your head. Who do you think you are? You say, when I take the authority and pray, it is Jesus and me taking authority and pray. <laughs> you see, you now you can do greater works? Right. Because it breaks, hits at the very heart of the deception that the enemy is stopping you from doing greater works. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the most misunderstood office of all time. Bears witness to your spirit so that you are the Son of God. Are you perfect? Yes. I am John. I'm better than John. I'm better than John. I'm better than John. I can pray. Therefore, will your prayer be answered? Yes. Because the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man obeyeth. Watch. So who is righteous? I am righteous, Lord. So you say, No, Lord, no, I'm live sin. Get on your face, repent, and come back and take on and put on the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus. Repent! Put on! Repent! Put on! Can you repeat? Repent! Put put on! on. on. Repent! Put on! on. You have to put on Jesus! What do you think you can get? Now let me... this is the problem. Ideally I would stop out here because we would then lose the whole train. (laughs) Uh, Let me give you an example. you remember the story of the rich, not the story, the incident of the rich young man who came to Jesus And you always thought that the rich young man's problem was wealth, correct? Right, right. The rich young man's problem was not wealth. The rich young man's problem was goodness, because the way he approached Jesus was the first question to Jesus was, "How many people know that?" Mark chapter Matthew chapter nineteen verses sixteen. I wanted to quickly go there because it's such a powerful example of. What we are trying to drive at. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? Look at it. He just started off. He started off on the problem, right? And what is the problem? The goodness problem. The goodness problem can never get you anything in your life. He started off by saying, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And Jesus immediately responded. Because Jesus has the spirit of God. He's discerning. He says what? Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But, 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 but Jesus, you're good. We ask the question why is Jesus so the question why do you call me good wasn't Jesus good so why is he saying to him why do you call me good because he was thinking that he was good so if I am good by the God's standards that you think you are good I am not that good <laughs> I am not that good In fact, Jesus was waiting for an answer. The answer of the young man to Jesus should have been what? I know you are good because you are God. Yes! You are going into the kingdom of God right away. Because the only thing that can get you into the kingdom is not your good works. It is the acknowledgement that Jesus is God. Correct? So Jesus was giving him an opportunity to walk right into the kingdom and gave up a question. He said, why do you call me good? And Jesus didn't say Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No man is good except God. So the immediate response of man, the man should have been what? You are good because you are God. And that would have gotten into heaven. Correct? So he waited. How do I know he waited? I just know he waited. He's <laughs> not written here, but I just know he waited. Because Jesus longed for this man. He waited. He didn't see anything. Jesus proceeded. He said, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. See? You don't want to acknowledge that I am God. That's fine. Then you have to come by the way of all men. Come by works. So let's start with commandments. Okay? Let's start with commandments. Have you kept this? Have you kept this? He said, yes Lord. I kept this. Yes Lord. I kept this. And Jesus said, okay. Let me give you a simple test. I'll give you a simple test, right? Because the Bible, the word says, love the God as love the God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a part of the Old Testament, right? So you love God, right? You did all the commandments. So why don't you sell all that you have, give it to the poor, follow me. So it means the commandments, you love your neighbor as yourself, and you follow me. That means you love you love, love the God with all your heart immediately he was offended, correct? Immediately he was offended and he passed away. And Jesus says, and then the response of the disciples was what? And Jesus says, then he makes his statement that it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, it's easier for a camel. He goes on to make that statement because he was offended. He was offended. Was rich man, is it difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? No. is it for anybody to get the kingdom of God because getting into the kingdom of God is not related to your wealth, it is related to the acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is the son of God. What is that to do with wealth? What is Jesus saying? And look at the response of the disciples, that is amazing. He says, verse 25, when the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? no. <laughs> this is so funny, Christianity has so much changed over these years. Now it will be, it will be, now since he can't get it, I can get it, because I am poor. You know what? I am poor, I am very poor. <laughs> you know? Because Jesus just said that rich man cannot get into the kingdom of God, then I can, because I am poor. But the response of the disciples were, who then can be saved because in those times, which is rightly so, if you are righteous, you are doing the works of God, you will be fruitful and you will be blessed. And here was the disciple, senior man who kept all his law, he kept all his commandments, he was fruitful and God has blessed him. And yet Jesus says he cannot make it. He cannot make it. He cannot make it. The standard of righteousness in in the kingdom is very high. The standard of righteousness in the kingdom is very high. But Jesus says, if you can receive me, you're my spirit, you can walk. You can ask anything that you want. And I think you remember the rich and the king at the wedding? How many of you remember the king at the wedding? And there was this one guy who did not wear the garment, wedding garment, and the king told one thing. He said, bind the man head and foot and throw him into outer garments. Now let me tell you, I have I've been through a lot of fashion accidents, but that's a lot of punishment for a fashion accident, right? <laughs> find yourself and throw you into outer darkness, just because you can wear a garment. Jesus is not really talking about an act. A garment, he's saying that if you want to get in, you want to perform, you want to do you have to wear my garment. Come in with my works. Come in with my works. My works are sufficient. My sufficient. My works are sufficient. Remember the vineyard workers? When the master calls different workers at different times and gives them the same wage? What was that about? That was telling you the point that work, let me repeat, work is just an excuse to getting you blessed in the kingdom. I I want you to go back and write it on it. It is not as if that the linear workers wanted a lot of work done. What if the guy who came in the last minute do anything extra? No! But he wanted to show how liberal and generous he is. In fact, he made a statement. And he told one of the guys who complained. He said, I came in early morning and yet you give me the same dinners. He says, in Matthew chapter 20 verse 15, he says, Is it not lawful for me to do what I want with what I have? Do you have an evil eye? To the point being, God is saying, If I decide to bless you, what is that to you? I want you to get that shift. I want you to get that shift in your mind, in me. If God decides that he wants to bless you, what is that to you? Receive. Receive. Don't say, no, no, I'm not worthy. No, no, I'm not enough." He said, that's my job. I am finding an excuse to bless you. Why do you die? God just wants an excuse to prosper you. Why do you do that? God is just looking. He's like a father. Looking to bless. Now let me ask you a question. Do you know the the, the, the the elder son and younger son, the prodigal son. I always say the father is not a prodigal son, it's a prodigal father. I'm telling you there is no father, that is that prodigal, right? <laughs> he divides his inheritance, sends them, he weighs his whole inheritance, he comes back and he puts them on a rope, gives them again some more. That is only God, not, that is a prodigal God, you know, in a in a course. Because that God is so loving. Wow! Now tell me. Let me ask you a question. This younger guy had already got his inheritance, correct? What inheritance is he now living off now? What's that? His father's. His father's. And God is telling you all well as a light and to all of you. I am ready to show up. I don't want you to restrict me by your words. I am looking for an excuse to show myself. I like what happens says. He carries a small card in his pocket and he says, I have been created to make God look good. Right? God is looking for an opportunity to show himself up. Give him. Let him. Let him. Let him. Let him. Let him. The, the, the young man came back. He started the enjoying. There's no inheritance because there's no works, right? He had already spotted his inheritance. But now he's still called a son. Still called a son. He's still called a son. Because God doesn't want you to live in works He wants you to live in grace Say grace Grace, grace. You can I want to stay for And this is true You can only do the greater works Through grace You can only do the greater works Through grace Because only greater works Come through grace You have to let God show up You cannot do greater works Through your works You cannot You are be limited You will be predictable walking around I, I want anyone to everyone to write this. Everyone to write this off. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10. And I want you to read that. Somebody can read that loud. It's such a powerful verse. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10. Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 10. So from which you have come, where you sowed your seeds and watered it as a vegetable garden. And lemon. But the, but the land which you cross over to possess is the land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning of this year to the very end of this year. Okay. How many of you have read that? Look okay. at that. And Jesus is saying that like Israelites were just about to walk into the new land. And they're saying us. Yeah, they're, he's trying to give them a paradigm shift. He is getting them to change their perspective. He's saying, the land that you're going to cross over to possess is a land... Okay, listen to this. Verse 10. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt... From which you have come, save the land of Egypt. From where you have come, where you have sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land that you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. What is God saying? When God now gets you into a life of victory in Christ Jesus, he's not telling you to go back and think as if it's a vegetable garden. You don't have to work it out like you walk a vegetable garden. You know what's a vegetable patch? It's a small patch. You can water it with foot. You have, to, you, you, can, you have to look at it constantly because they are vulnerable. But God says, get your ship down. I'm going to get into a land that will feeds on rain that I give. I'm going to bless it, I'll so much more that you cannot cover but I want you to start thinking, I can do greater You go with a vegetable garden mentality, you can never do greater works you, And when I was preparing God was telling let the people have a new download We talk about updates in your iPhone and in your Android God says you need to have a new update, Update 101 so one-on-one update is, I'm going to move from vegetable garden mentality to hills and valleys. Say hills and valleys. hills and valleys. You are going to get into hills and valleys. You have to start thinking hills and valleys. You don't have to start thinking and worrying about every crop and every seed. and every You'll start stopping ashes. He says, Lord, you, it's your time to you show up. Because now you get the glory when the harvest comes in. Correct? Otherwise, who gets the glory in the vegetable garden? You. Not that God doesn't want you to get the glory, but He wants Him to be glorified. Be you want, do you want to have a hills and valleys parallel shift in 2011? I'll tell you, the word of God came last time that God is going to raise up millionaires and kingmakers from some of these life to, and God has already started that shift. Amen? Are you ready for it? To be a kingmaker? Are you ready to go, go into ministry that God calls you? Are you ready to expand your territory like He's never called you? Can you do greater works? You can but you can only do it in grace. You can only do it in grace. You know, the first time grace is mentioned in the Bible, the first time grace is mentioned in the Bible, is in association with Noah. Noah found grace from God. And the next verse says what? Noah was just and righteous and perfect in all this generation. <laughs> I mean, talk about a drunkard, right? <laughs> he was a drunkard. He, he drunk, you know what a story, but... But the Bible doesn't even say that. He says, God, Noah found grace. And God declares him,
1: righteous.
0: He's just, he's perfect in all his generations. Because when grace comes, God doesn't cease sin, And God is able to do great things in Noah's life. In fact, Noah's name means rest. When his father Lamech gave birth, Noah was born. He said, I will call him Noah. It means he will give me rest for my toil and my work because of the drought, which is for You know, they were growing up in an atmosphere of curse, of work, of toil, and said, I want a Noah, I want a son that will give me rest. And what happened? He's confused. Talk about confession, right? You confess what you want. And he confessed and his son is rest, and he became rest. He had grace. Get grace. Abel offered an offering. And God said, you're righteous. God was constantly looking toward history to declare man righteous. He's always trying to get past works into grace. Constantly. He told uh, Abraham, he told him, go out of the uh, tent, look at the stars. Ten, I, I'm going to make you as, as numerous as the stars. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Abraham said, yes. And God said, grace, you're righteous. God is questioning, you know. Free is God's idea. That's why we like it so much. (laughs) Free is God's idea. It was birthed by God. In the Garden of Gideon, everything was free. When sin came in, cost started coming in. Everything started to have cost when sin came in. And ever since sin came in, God is wanting to go back into free. God is born to go back into grace. He doesn't want you to live by cost and transactions. And that therefore, the cost started building up. Ever since sin came, cost started building up one by one, one by one. Ultimately, the cost became so great when Jesus went on the cross that his cost is only of his son. God doesn't want a cost. How many of you want to lose your son or your daughter? No. So, so, with God. God didn't... There was no pleasure for God. To see his son bear a cost, which was not in there. Cost was not God's idea. It was not His idea. Free is God's idea. That is why He said, "He who freely comes, I will give him the waters of life." You know how the Bible ends. Revelation, the last chapter says, "Freely." You don't know that God. He's just going to remove it. He he doesn't want any memory of this cost inflicted world that that you and I are willing to. He doesn't want it. He's going to get rid of this earth. And get rid of heaven, too. Heaven started the problem, correct? They sinned in heaven. Sin didn't originate in earth. It started in heaven. He's getting rid of everything. And then look at verse, Revelation chapter 22. Verse 7. Is that? Huh? Not this. 17. What does it say? The spirit of the bride says come and let him hear says come let him first come who desires let him come let him take the water of life freely. Anybody who wants come get it? What do you want? Come. If you want more come. Come. Learn to expect great things from God because it's not by your works it's by His righteousness. Come, freely come, freely come. Jesus says, freely I have received, freely give. So you can give. In fact, there's one more. Jesus was washing the feet of Peter. And Peter said, no Lord, don't wash my feet. I'm not worthy. And Jesus said, if I cannot wash your feet, you cannot have no part in Immediately Jesus, Peter says, now wash my head. (laughs) He goes from washing feet to washing head. And Jesus says, you don't, need to be, you, you don't need to wash your head because you're already clean. What is he saying? I've already declared you righteous. He who's clean only needs to be washed his feet. What is he saying? He, you are righteous. You only need to be served. Are you willing to let Jesus serve you? That's that's a blasphemous thought, right? Jesus washing your feet. There is a false humility. False humility that is built around, I am not worthy to receive Jesus' power in my life. It is almost like saying that Peter said to Jesus, sounds spiritual, sounds nice, it sounds very humble. Oh Lord, how can I be worthy for you to wash my feet? And Jesus gives a very strong remark for all you traditional minded Christians. He says, if I cannot wash your feet, you cannot pardon me. What is he saying? Why? Because if you do not allow me to wash your feet, I am sure you will not wash your neighbor's feet, your brother's feet. If you are ready to allow God to serve you, you will be ready to serve others because it is not about you in the first place, correct? Do you know why you are not ready to serve? Because you are not allowed God to serve you. You you don't have a revelation of how good God is. You have a picture of how good, That is why people, people who are born in abusive relationships, always end up being abusive, because their picture and their revelation of a God and a father is an abusive father. So they end up being abusive. But the God that who says that every good and perfect gift comes from Me, and in Me there is no shadow of turning, He wants you to have a revelation of how good He is. Then you can serve. Then you will serve, right? You have no false humility. God says greater things you can do this year because of grace. Because of grace. Because of grace. How many are ready to do greater works? It is not about you. If you just love Him, He will show up. And He will show up. He will, he will multiply you. He will prosper with. you. You have, have thought about being a millionaire or a multi-millionaire for the kingdom of God. It's not a bad thought. If you use the wealth for the kingdom of God and if you are ready... God is ready to pour out. People wants you to be a good steward of the things that He's put in your life. He's ready. Do you want to live in perfect health? People have always said, no, this kind of diseases cannot be healed. Who is people? Jesus says, I will heal you because I am a healer. I am a healer. You can walk in grace. You can walk in grace. You can do greater things. And Jesus says, let my Holy Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are blessed. You are the son of God. The son of God. Amen? Remember, 3 is God's idea. 2 is God's idea. Are you ready for greater works? Amen? Are you ready for greater works? Why don't you go to stand and just, just worship the Lord. I think God is going to do an amazing thing. And the Holy Spirit. I, and I forgot to tell you this. I forgot to tell you. 2011. Partner with the Holy Spirit. I want you to repeat after me. Partner partner, Partner. with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Pray in tongues. Pray Pray in tongues. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Let that Spirit grow. And more and more the Spirit keeps telling me that you are the Son of God. You are able to do great works. Amen? How many of you are perfect? How many of you are righteous? Amen. You are righteous in Christ. You can do great things in Christ Jesus.
1: Amen? Let's uh, let's worship. Our-